isn't it crazy though like you spend like your youth like trying to like never be home and then like you get to a certain point in your life and getting home is like the only thing you want to do everyone is saying how 2020 sucked and they don't want to be in the house again it's actually taught me that i'm perfectly fine being in the house I'm a little bit of balance, but like, I don't think I'm going to be acting a fool. Like this is spring break, like 2021 all summer or anything like. You ready, man? Cool. Let's do it. What up? What up? Welcome in episode three. I'm Jason Spells in New York. That's Brandon Edler in LA. And this is what you heard. I, I, you know, the, the energy level was good. It was good. You were with me. I see, I see progression. So I'm not going to say anything like I did in the first two episodes, episode three, we've actually got some pretty good feedback. The second episode, a lot more people, we're proud of you for listening and sharing. We appreciate that. We're going to have a lot of fun with this one uh, because this one is basically about football, a sport we both love, um, but we don't have right now. But we have free agency, which is genuinely one of the craziest things to go on. Possibly even better than the game itself. Really? Yeah, NBA, thing NFL I... offseason trade deadline, like, yeah, like those to me, those those little pockets are just as good as the games itself, for sure. The only thing that I hate about this time is because I'm trying to crunch numbers to figure out okay, this is what the contract is, but this is what the guarantee is, but here are the incentives. So I'm always looking at different contracts and different numbers when they're coming out to see, all right, what is this player's value? And is it true to form or is it just a byproduct of an inflated market? I think right now we're seeing true to form because the salary cap came down. So teams that had to hold money, they, everybody took a hit in COVID. A lot of NFL teams did. So a lot of teams are holding their money. Seriously, the only person who's spinning it is Bill Belichick and the Patriots, which is shocking. And he spent it like a drunken sailor, what, spent more money in 24 hours than he had in the last decade combined or something even crazier than that. I think he's smart. I think he realizes I probably only have a couple of years left to really do this the way that I want to. And I've been pretty frugal for the most part. I've, I've thought about the betterment of the franchise for the longer haul. Look, I'm going to go out and get me another ring the same way Tom got one. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of Shaq and Kobe to this. They split up, and now they both have something to prove. And I'm sure him seeing him get that first one, you know, stung a little bit. So, all right, now I'm going to go out and get a lethal weapon at tight end, which I've proven in the past when I got a solid tight end, I can do things. I don't know how I feel about Nelson Aguilar. I mean, I don't remember what he did with the Raiders last year. I didn't catch that. It sounded like he had a much better season before that. Man just dropped the ball every time he touched it in Philly. But I'm proud of Bill. I'm glad I'm glad that he went on that spree and treated himself. <laughs> treat, treat yourself. Don't treat, treat yourself, yourself. Belichick. Uh, <laughs> Aguilar will forever be remembered as the guy who got clowned after another guy caught a baby from a burning building. Remember that news article right. or that news I story do. out of Philly? Dude, that was beautiful. He said they were throwing, the, he was like, the, the woman was throwing the kids out of the burning building. We were catching them. Unlike Aguilar, did you see what he did today in the fourth quarter? I mean, the dude just saved kids from a burning building and still clowned Aguilar. I don't care if Aguilar catches the game-winning touchdown for the Patriots this season. I will never remember him for that. 
I will only remember him as being clowned after a guy was helping save babies from a burning building. There you go, Nelson. Now you got something to put up in your locker. Jason Spells coming for your neck. I'm sure he's going to catch this. So, so Belichick, you got players. Well, Belichick, they signed uh, a couple of names. Hunter Henry, Janu Smith at tight end, Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne at wide receiver, pass rusher, Matthew Judon, defensive back Jalen Mills. So you see the pieces that needed to get plugged in. And then they've got Cam. We were on the record a couple of weeks back not thinking Cam was going to return to right. New England. And here he is on a one-year deal. Another prove-it deal. But 12's respectable. And it's like, you you were right. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for what are kind of these things that probably won't happen, but it's always fun to be right if you call, you know, the long shot. But you're right. It made all the sense for him to come back like that. Until he proves that he is, I don't want to say an MVP candidate, because that's difficult to achieve what he did in 2015. But until Cam Newton proves that he is a starting caliber quarterback, he's not going to get a long-term deal. So these prove-it deals, which you saw last season, and then the Patriots were still high on him, obviously. They want to see what he looks like year two under offensive coordinator McDaniels and with better weapons around. If he outplays this contract, they will, they yeah. will reward him. Will he see $30 million? No but they will reward him with a longer-term deal. I don't know. I'm not sure that's going to happen for him, but I like the thought process, and hopefully it does. But the one thing that I feel like people aren't talking about enough is look at how many guys on defense opted out last year for the Patriots. Like, they have, like, half of a team on defense coming back that just didn't play last year, not even new signings, just people that can legit ball out that decided not to during a COVID year. I'm sure a little bit of that is obviously people being a little bit concerned with what the possibilities were there. But also, like, you just lost Tom Brady. You know you're not going to have a deep playoff run no matter who comes in. So are you saying that their defense basically had a gap year? They knew Tom Brady wasn't going to be there. They had this option. They took 12 months off to heal their body, and now they're coming back refreshed? That's exactly it. People, I I don't even think they win their division, I think the Bills beat them. Buffalo? Yeah, I think the Bills continue to dominate the division. Um, Miami, Miami is still out. Early. We, we still don't know what two is. They did sign right. Jacoby Brissett as a backup. Um, obviously I'm not going to believe a damn thing the jets do. And I actually, when I'm, so when I moved here last uh, October, I tried to be a fan of the local teams and I wasn't going to do the giants. I said, you know what? The jets are trash. I'm going to just cheer for them. Right? Like I'm going to get invested in the jets. And that was the worst decision I ever made in life because they're so inept at every position throughout their organization that all they did was just cause me heartache every week, even more so than my actual real team, the Carolina Panthers. Watching the Jets, I can't even think of an analogy to describe how bad it was watching them play week in, week out last season. I mean, I, I think of Mike Greenberg every time I hear the Jets' name, and I just feel for him. You know, love him or hate him as a sports analyst. At the end of the day, he's just a diehard Jets fan, and that's tough. So they trash. We know they're not going to do anything. It comes down to the Buffalo Bills. Do they piss away the division? Because right now, they're set up to dominate it again for another season. Uh, I, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, 
Let's. I mean, if we want to put this bet on the air right now, I know a lot can still happen, but I'm I'm happy to take the Patriots win in the AFC East right now. I give you that. I give you that. I'll put it on the Bills. You and me. All right, we're all we're all wax. Yeah. We're on the line. This this can never be forgotten. That I'm taking the Bills to repeat as AFC East champions. So going back to Bills spending all this money, though, the one thing I did hear this the other day, I was just googling it real quick, is the fact that they think that ESPN and the NFL is near what close to a two and a half, three billion dollar deal, and they feel like once this jumps into the next salary cap, not so much this year, but the years down the road that some of these signings may not have the same impact that we think they do now because that's going to kind of widen from where it is, especially, you know, having a down year from COVID last year. It's even more dramatically down than it would typically be. So this was the first time in a decade that the NFL salary cap decreased. And that was in large part totally because of COVID. Now they signed a new CBA, the Players Association, and the NFL last season really as the virus was kind of coming into our everyday lives. And so that gave them labor stability in which they were able to maneuver this year that it would be a loss of the salary. Now, keep in mind, the loss of the revenue from this season will not be felt only in 2021, 2022. They are now actually going to spread out the economic loss of this season, this past season, over the next three or four seasons going forward you add to that new tv deals with nbc espn doubling monday night football cbs fox and amazon getting the sole right to broadcast thursday night football the hit that they spread out over the going or the future three or four years will actually not really be felt because that new tv money will take effect in 2022 i believe right smart Good way to take care of that money, too. I mean, look, for however people feel about the NFL, obviously there's a variety of reasons to feel a way about the NFL because of good old Roger. Uh, But, I mean, they're smart. They know how to take care of the business. And even on top of that, Jerry Jones, you know he has a hand in a lot of this, too, and that guy knows how to take care of his business. The NFL is the most lucrative sports league. It's not the most popular. We know EPL, Premier League. But as far as overall money made NFL for a reason. And that's because it should be the Jerry FL though. Should be the Jerry. Did you know he's the only owner that owns his team marks outright? So the NFL cannot go and make deals on behalf of the Dallas Cowboys the way they can for the 31 other teams. You take that into consideration and then you take into consideration the fact that he basically built the whole Rams new stadium, obviously has done his own stadium. Plus a variety of other stadiums. Basically, you go through Jerry if you want to get a new stadium built. And then he also has a hand, all the tickets and everything along that as well. Like, this dude is caking. I've never seen anybody in sports league handle his business better than this guy. I'm not sure how he does it. Obviously, like, Cowboy's name is more global, bigger thing, but not even, I don't mean, I don't know how baseball set up like that, but I don't know if the Yankees even have a similar deal. The Cowboys are the most profitable franchise in the world. Jerry should be printing his own money. Living in Dallas, I will tell you that stars. That's all you can use in Dallas. Jerry. They get their money. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at anybody getting their money. Because in the end, that's what you do it for. We all go to work because, yeah, we genuinely like what we do or we like the people. That's a smaller part. You wanted that job and you wanted to work at that place for one reason. The paycheck. Get the money first. 
the rest of the stuff will come. Always works out that way. Uh, Always works out that way. And even if it's a shitty job, at least you got the money. And you can go on better vacations. But you think it's only about, like, all right, so if you had to rank, like, three reasons why you're approaching, you know, obviously pay compensation is probably going to be arguably number one for 99% of the world. What's two and three for you? Culture. And freedom. Like, I'm a creative person. I work in a creative industry. I want the ability to know that I can go out and try new things and that I can put those together. You don't want to go into a place where you feel I am just a cog in a wheel and I have to just do whatever it takes to keep this wheel spinning. What are your three? You hit it head on. I mean, honestly, that order, everything, it kind of like, for me, it takes me back to the finish line days. I felt like that was kind of like the core of who they were. And, you know, you can't really ask for anything better than if you can hit on those three things. And then obviously, you know, kind of tied into that company that's actually going to invest in you as an individual and really develop you, give you an opportunity to do some things. And then, you know, I think the biggest thing we're seeing right now is, does your company stand for something too? Are you guys putting your money where your mouth is and you know, really taking care of people around you? Or are you just out there to get a dollar? Do you feel though that some companies are doing this for lip service? We saw a lot of companies of in the course. height. I, and I hate using the term racial uh, uh, reckoning because as a black man in America, I've been dealing with racial situations my entire life. I reckon y'all should have been listening to us when we were telling y'all about it at least for the last 38 years I've been on God's Green Earth. But we saw everyone putting out the Black Square, Blackout Tuesday. We stand for George Floyd. And we're hiring, I think, the biggest ripoff ever, diversity and inclusion. And then you take a look, the C-suite never changes. The economics of our of every industry has been hit because of COVID. So now they're laying off people. So disproportionately, that's impacting Blacks, people of color, um, women, let's not forget the the struggles that women have had in the workplace historically. They were impacted the most out of all this in the past year, easily out of any demographic. So when I sit there and hear a company say, we're doing this for diversity and inclusion, or we're doing this to make sure we we have a true representation in our workforce, I think it's all it's all lie. It's all spent. Yeah. I mean, that's what people do when they're put in a corner. Does it mean that every single one of them is insincere about it? I don't believe that. Are there some that are very insincere about it? Of course. And I think that's just something that we need to hold people more accountable to in general, because it doesn't matter where you spend your money, because as soon as you spend that, it's invested into something else. And if you guys aren't aligned you know, on, on those priorities, then you know, essentially you are causing harm in an you know, indirect way. And I, I didn't think about it, but you mentioned when you're looking for a job, you want to go a place that has values and morals and things you stand for. And I know not everyone can do this because they have to go to a job just to get a check. Um, but for those who are blessed to have the ability to go to a, a place and work, now thinking, and I know some people listening to this are going through A, looking for jobs, or B, transitioning into new jobs, or looking to see how they can have a bigger role in their current company. Um, When you're having those conversations with the hiring manager, with HR, with your direct bosses, 
stressing to them the importance of making sure that you see certain changes in the company. I think that's one thing that when we're in those conversations, if we have the ability to do so, we should. Definitely agree. I, I mean, it's, it's everybody's responsibility to push that conversation in the right direction. And again, try and hold com- people accountable there. But it's also like, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, people that have the, you know, kind of the luxury to pick and choose amongst those. I agree. You know, if you're able to get to that place, that's an amazing thing. But also, you know, I think people get hit with smoke and mirrors a lot of times too. You know, people talk a good game and, and, you know, you know, we talk about those five things. If you hit three of those check, check boxes really hard, you're probably going to be inclined to maybe have a blind spot to some of these other things too. And, you know, you just got to live and learn from those situations and try and not repeat that if it happens. But it is like, I, that's, that's gotta be such an important conversation moving forward. And I think you know, the company that's approaching you is just as responsible for starting that conversation versus you putting it on them. And I hope I more people are transparent with that. I think transparency is the key of all of this. If people just be transparent with each other, it's going to make a world of difference. You said something to me once. Uh, I'm not even sure if we were recording. It might have just been a phone call. But we were talking, you were saying how when you're going into meetings and you're talking with people about taking on a new role at a company or going to a new position at a new place of employment, it's important to ask them, where do you see this role going in a year? And I always thought that was, that was a vital question, uh, but I'm going to let you explain why that's such an important question to ask. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was something that I kind of went through at one point in a, a previous job to where what I thought the role was, I mean, honestly, I think they pitched me on something and just didn't follow through on it. I don't think there was really a miscommunication, but you know, some things that I had read just to try and avoid that situation is to get them to explain to you exactly what are those KPIs, those key performance indicators that show I'm doing a really good job and I'm doing what was expected of you. And we have a tangible way of measuring that. So in a year, when we sit back and have this conversation, you know, we're able to look at those five things and say, you know, what you accomplished four out of five, you did do a really good job. You know, there's a lot of situations where the company wants to make you accountable for so many things, but they're not put in the same situation. And I feel like any relationship, whether it's work, whether it's friends, relationships with, you know, significant others, et cetera, like that accountability, that equality, that two-way street, that transparency, like those things are probably the most important things for you to be successful in whatever you're working towards. And, you know, it is, I, I think that me moving forward, I've not had the opportunity to do that, but that, I, that'll be one of the key questions for me, as well as what is your culture like, you know, what are you guys doing to support your community? What are you doing to support everybody that is employed for you? How, how are we making an impact for all the things that we recognize in the world that are not being handled in the proper way? And I think it's just about being responsible with it. I don't think anybody needs to shut up and dribble, but I also don't think everybody needs to have an opinion. You know, like people going back to the last dance documentary with Jordan and how people had ill feelings towards him because he didn't have the same political views they had. That's okay, but it's also not his job to be that spokesperson because he has that platform. If he genuinely 
isn't well versed in it, you know, doesn't believe a certain way, that's entirely up to him. And if you have a problem with it, you don't have to support him. But I think, you know, us expecting every key figure and whatever we're interested in these people that we look up to for, you know, not typically their perspective on life, but more so the things that they accomplish, whether it's sports, entertainment, you know, writers, etc. It just feels a little out of pocket for us to continuously put this pressure on everybody. And I also think we're kind of forcing some people that we have a lot of respect for to maybe say and do things that not necessarily they don't mean, but not something that they would typically want to come outright and say. And to me, that's where things get a little bit murky. I don't like when people feel like they're pressured. I don't like that we're pressuring people to have a platform. And I would like people to respectfully you know, take a minute. And if that's not something you feel comfortable doing or you don't feel like you have the proper knowledge to speak on it and really provide the type of information people need, it's okay to sit it out. There's nothing wrong with that either. That's a responsible I, thing to do. I feel like right now, there is no gray area in anything. Either it's black, it's white, it's Colin Kaepernick, it's All Lives Matter, it's Republican, Democrat, Trump, Biden. There right. is no room for nuance and discussions. And so I feel as if when people said they're going to ride with a particular athlete, let's say LeBron or a Kyrie or um, a Cap, right? Everyone, you have to be all in on everything that player says at all times and so that leads to this point now where athletes are feeling partly because of the times we're in and partly because everyone's looking to what's your opinion on this and if they right. say something that's good then half the room runs to their side and you like it when half the room is on your side supporting you saying you're saying the right thing now if you say something off topic then they leave you again. So you, what do you do? You say what's necessary to bring them back. But it's a situation in which I can't say, okay, well, I agree with LeBron here, but I disagree with him there. Then people look at you as if you're, well, you're either with us or against us. And it's like, I no, I, I agree with one thing he said. I disagree with the other thing. And I feel like right now we're in a position where that's what it is. So when athletes come out with their platforms and their own particular branding or their own particular ideals and ideas and morals, mm -hmm. you have to either be all in with that guy at all times or you're a hater. And that's just the right. way it's seen. Right. Right. And it's unfortunate that perceptions become reality in a lot of these situations. I think people are owed a little bit more than that, but also, you know, in all fairness, obviously, things have gotten to a point where maybe we don't have the luxury of being patient and sitting this out. And, you know, I'm always open to that argument as well. The one thing I will say is I'm sure there are people who probably wouldn't have spoken up a few years ago who felt compelled to, and they didn't do so in an irresponsible manner. And they brought a lot of a amazing attention and resources to things that probably weren't going to take place without them doing so. So it's, you know, it's, it's like everything else. There is a little bit of gray area here, but to your point, I get the polarization of everything and, and how cumbersome that's kind of become. We'll go back to the last dance. So Jordan did not endorse Harvey Gantt, an African-American former mayor of Charlotte. He was running for Senator uh, from North Carolina. 
Jesse Helms, who was a staunch segregationalist, I rarely heard my parents cuss growing up. I was a Christian. I still am a Christian, raised Baptist. My father would definitely cuss when it came to Jesse Helms, right? Black people in North Carolina didn't like him. Rightfully so. He didn't view us as equals. Michael Jordan didn't know Harvey Gantt. Um, so he did not come out and verbally endorse him, but he did write a check. But, you know, in this, in that day and time, we didn't know that Jordan wrote a check. We just knew he didn't come out and verbally say, I endorse. And he got drugged right. for it. Um, right. Nowadays, you can't do that. So let's say right. an athlete comes out and says, I'm not going to support um, Kamala Harris or Cory Booker. I'm using African-Americans who are running for presidents in 2020 um, because of their connections with various sports teams in their respective areas. Well, then you're looked at as an anti-Black individual if you didn't come out and support an African-American. It was a different time. And so the onus was on you to not only support financially, but to also use your platform, your Twitter, your Instagram to support right. them. Um, and I think some athletes don't feel comfortable speaking about it. I honestly don't think some athletes should speak about it. I'm not telling them to shut up and dribble. I'm not, I don't want that to come across as that at all. But I think it comes across as you don't, if your comfort level isn't there, it shows. So it's better to not say something until you get that comfort level. Right. I'm going to just ruin the whole flow of everything and just throw a disclaimer out. This was not in the run of show, but this is the beauty of the conversations. And this is why we hope you guys will come back and stick around is, you know, we don't want to be too shy to talk about anything. If it organically comes up, we want to speak to it. And I love that we have two different perspectives here, even though we feel, you know, very aligned on everything. It's just, these are conversations, more people need to have them. And, you know, anything we can do to help bring this up and make it a more comfortable conversation for anybody it has nothing to do with the fact that we're different races or anything, but just the fact that people are continuously having these conversations and trying to do anything to push us in the right direction. I, you know. I'm kind of glad that it fell into this combo. We started this podcast off of our phone conversations. I was living in Dallas. You were still in LA. The world was in upheaval. Um, you were dealing with the riots in LA. I was dealing with them in Dallas, seeing police helicopters flying over my neighborhood. And I would sit down on the balcony and we would just talk about a lot of these things because it's good to get perspective out. And it's also good to be in a safe place to talk right. about the things you're thinking. It's never good to hold it in. If you have a friend, you have someone you can talk to about it, do so. So a lot of the racial things, a lot of the political things, the polarization, we are comfortable talking about it because we did a lot of conversations about it last year. And I just... I wish that we were at a better place, not me and you, but the world, for lack of a better term, where you could have those conversations and someone isn't triggered in the first sentence. Right. It's just by normalizing it, by understanding not everything's meant to be one way at all times and just being open to, you know, nurturing people and trying to help them see something that maybe they hadn't before.
All right, so we're, we're trying to keep this a bit quicker than our previous two. Those, we appreciate you for listening to them, but we get it. Y'all got lives. Y'all got shit y'all got to do. Other stuff we were going to hit on. Rapid fire round. You ready? Yes. I, I really got to get some. I got to get some sort of. Bro, yeah, you need to get like a little DJ table or something. I, I know you can add a little more production value to this with your background. I need to step it up. I do. I do. <laughs> okay, Ryan Fitzpatrick going to Washington. Hate it or love it? Love it. Fitz magic. As long as he's in the league, nothing else matters. Washington probably will win the NFC East again because it's trash. Chicago Bears you win think out he's Russell Wilson. Well, I mean, he's got to go against Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen, so probably. True, true. That's right. My bad, my bad. Chicago went after Russell Wilson. That was one of the four teams he said he would get traded to. Of course, Seattle was not going to entertain the conversation. Get Andy Dalton instead. I don't know, I don't know what to say. I'm from west of Chicago. Never been a Bears fan. I, all my friends are so pathetic on social media about the Bears. I'm just laughing. Sorry, guys. Aaron Rodgers still in Green Bay, right? Right. Look who's winning the NFC Central. Although, we'll see if your boy, uh, pretty boy, what's his name? Just went from the Rams to Detroit. You know who I'm talking about. Jerry Goff, not my yeah, boy. Him. That's why I was a little hesitant. Not my guy. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We'll I see if the Rams, if the, if the Lions can be respectable. Um, back to basketball, back to athletes doing different things. LeBron and Maverick by a piece of Fenway Sports Group. I, I told you, I'm all about people getting their money. I support it. Right. Right. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if they have some influence over that. I mean, it, it seems hard to see LeBron and Mav do something without them having influence. I think it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out. Fenway Sports Group, owners of the Boston Red Sox, Liverpool Football Club, Roush Fenway Racing, New England Sports Network, Regional Sports Network. LeBron already owned a portion of Liverpool. So once again, money makes more money. Proud of them. They're the first two African-Americans to become members of Fenway Sports Group. I think that's big, too. And I think that says a lot uh, for that sports group to change. Because let's be honest, they probably could have kept doing their business without adding two African-Americans of prominent stature. I'm glad they did. Finally, Deshaun Watson is still, as of this taping, at 11 p.m. Eastern. What time is that? 8 p.m. West on March 16th. Deshaun Watson is still in Houston. They did sign Tyrod Taylor one-year deal to back him up. I mean, Tyrod deserves a lot more respect than he's been getting the last couple of years. I feel like everywhere he's went, everybody's been way too quick to push him out. Fortunately, San Diego did so with their team doctor. I like it. I love it. Deshaun's not going to play for the Texans again. If you get Tyrod Taylor, I still think that's a respectable squad, especially in the AFC South. So Tyrod getting disrespected. All right, so that's episode three of What You Heard. Uh, we're taking the week off, and you're asking, how the hell can you take a week off after three episodes? I'm going home to North Carolina for the first time since this damn pandemic started. So I'll be back home, see my family. We'll do this again in two weeks. 